Can you believe it? It's the 75th episode of Dot Mill Docs. I'm Russell Carlson. It is September 11, 2009. Thanks for downloading the show. This week we'll continue to discuss influenza, not just H1N1 influenza, the so-called swine flu, but also good old-fashioned seasonal flu. They're two different types of flu, and to help us distinguish one from the other today and also to answer questions on getting vaccinated is Lieutenant Colonel Patrick Garman of the U.S. Army. He's held many positions in the Army over the years, but he's currently Deputy Director for Scientific Affairs at the Military Vaccine Agency, also known as Milvax. Lieutenant Colonel Garman, we're glad you could make time for us today. Welcome to Dot Mill Docs. Thank you. All right, so let's just start by talking about seasonal flu and H1N1 flu and how there is a difference between the, flu, the two flus. Right. They're, they're both influenza viruses. Um, one is uh, what we call seasonal influenza. It's actually influenza viruses that, that change a little bit circulate actually around the entire earth every every year and they and they change a little bit um, so we we formulate a vaccine for those strains from year to year because your body doesn't recognize them or doesn't fully recognize them from the year before so we, we might have a little immunity build up but maybe not enough to keep us from from getting ill now as far as the, the h1n1 that was recently characterized in, in March, April 2009. While it is an influenza virus, it, 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 it seems to have evolved or come from um, pigs more so than birds or, or humans. And because it, it's so new and, and more different, if I can put it, phrase it that way, than the seasonal influenza viruses, we really don't have any buildup it at all. So while the, the, the presentation and the severity is similar to our seasonal influenza, the majority of the population just doesn't have any immunity to it. So that's why it's able to, to transfer from person to person and, and, and cause illness like it, like it has been doing over the last four or five months. And that's why we would have to get a separate vaccination for H1N1. Exactly. That's why we need a separate vaccination because the virus is different. Our immune system sees it as being different, and uh, we haven't been exposed to it before, so we, we would need a, a vaccine that's specific to, to that new H1N1 virus. And so, okay, now why do we have to keep getting an influenza shot each year? Why can't they make one that's like a tetanus shot that's good for like 10 years? Yeah, and there's, <clears throat> there's scientists all over the world trying to, to make an influenza shot that, that lasts longer. Um, but what we found is the, what we call the seasonal influenza, or uh, these viruses, kind of change a little bit from year to year. They, as they reproduce themselves, they're not perfect every time. So instead of making an identical influenza virus time after time after time, sometimes they make a mistake. And sometimes that mistake uh, doesn't give them any benefit, but sometimes it does. Sometimes that mistake makes the, uh, the virus look a little different to the immune system of a human or a pig or a bird, and that allows it to escape detection for a while and, and grow and divide. So that's the way the viruses change a little bit over time. And as they change throughout the year, then our immune system 
so maybe uh, doesn't recognize them as the same virus that we were introduced to the year before in a vaccine. So we continue to have to update our vaccines from year to year so that we can protect people from this slightly different um, virus that, that will circulate this year and another one that will circulate next year. And usually in our, our seasonal vaccine, we actually have three strains of, of viruses rep represented so that we can try to capture the, the dominant strains that, that scientists feel will be the, the main strains that will come through the United States in the wintertime. Of the both influenza shots, are they mandatory for active duty service members? Right. For, for active duty, National Guard, and, and reserve service members, DOD requires the vaccination. We also require it for certain mission essential DOD civilians, and this year also we requiring it for healthcare providers. In other words, civilian healthcare providers, contract healthcare providers that provide direct patient care. It's just a, a way, I mean, it's just common sense way to, to protect their patients that they should be vaccinated. And now it's mandatory. So um, units are busy working with their collective bargaining units and putting it into uh, new contracts as they're written up to uh, require immunization. And I mean, it's just it's just common sense. I mean, after all, the seasonal influenza can cause two to 300,000 extra hospitalizations every year just from complications of the influenza. And we can average anywhere from 30 to 40,000 deaths in the United States alone just from influenza. So sometimes we don't think that the seasonal influenza is as serious as it actually is. So we need to make sure that our, that our service members are vaccinated and then the, we, uh, we also offer the vaccine then for all DOD beneficiaries, you know, our dependents and retirees who um, want to get the vaccine. And when does that seasonal influenza vaccination program begin? Well, it's already begun. <clears throat> it's a cyclic program every year where uh, units uh, order the vaccine uh, actually in January and February and the Department of Defense goes out and, and contracts with the manufacturers for the new vaccine in the spring. So the vaccine for this year is already 50% uh, of the vaccine this year has already been delivered. So immunization clinics throughout DOD, uh, both CONUS, no CONUS, have already started vaccinating. And when you say CONUS, O CONUS, you're talking about within the continental U.S. and outside the continental U.S. Right. Thank you for clarifying that. Sure. The, um, the vaccine, the, the, some of the first shipments of the vaccine goes to, you know, our our um, soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines that are stationed in, uh, that are in deployed environments, which is METCOM. We also uh, send the vaccine right away to Korea and uh, Europe, um, Okinawa, places like that. So our priorities are for active duty, <coughs> our deployed individuals, ships afloat, individuals that are deploying, and then we come down to healthcare providers. And then we cover the, the, the civilian recommendations. When I say civilian, that the CDC has recommendations that cover the majority of the United States population and majority of our beneficiaries. So, so that vaccine is already available in DOD immunization clinics. Uh, once that vaccine is received, they should be um, offering it to people right away. And what is the goal for the seasonal influenza program? Well, DOD's goal this 
year is we try to um, achieve at least a 90% coverage of our service members by 1 December. And so, so the vaccine has been out. Like I said, that up to 50% of the vaccine is already out, and it's just early September. So we're well on our way to meeting that goal. And one of the reasons we have a goal of 1 December this year is to try to try to get the seasonal uh, vaccine to as many people as we can so that when the impending H1N1 vaccine is released later on this fall, that we can smoothly transition into the H1N1 vaccination program. Now, do you think there's going to be a shortage of the vaccine this year? Well, for the seasonal vaccine, there will be no shortage. There's, there's plenty of vaccine for all of those who want it and for all of our um, service members. Um. What are the different ways that you can get the vaccine? I know there's uh, at least a couple different types of vaccine. Right. The, the, historically, the, the, the main you know, product is an injectable. Like a, like a shot. Sure, yeah, a shot. Um, that, uh, we, we have two, I'd say, brand names of the shot that's available through the Department of Defense this year. One is uh, Blue Zone, and another one's called Afluria. So these, uh, you'll see these either in multi-dose vials or in um, conservative-free, excuse me, single-dose um, syringes. And so those are the two injectable or, or shots that we have this year. All right. Now, who – I know that there are some people who should not take the injectable shot. Um, who are they? Well, historically, and it's the same this year, that the injectable and the other flu vaccines are, are – are grown in eggs. So people have severe allergies to you know, chicken proteins, eggs, egg products, or you know, any other components there that, that, that they've had a history of having an allergy to. might want to avoid the, the influenza vaccine. Maybe people that, that actually the number one uh, contraindication or reason not to get the vaccine is if a person has had a severe reaction to a previous vaccination with the influenza vaccine. Sometimes people arrive if they're if they're actively sick, maybe if they have a high fever. Those people might want to wait to be vaccinated until that that um, the illness that they they have presently subsides a little bit. And then we don't vaccinate children uh, younger than the age of six months. Also. Okay. And then the other vaccine is uh, you take it through your nose, right? That's right. Um, several years ago, a manufacturer uh, created a a live virus vaccine, it's an attenuated vaccine. With attenuated means a weakened version of the virus. So the virus can't uh, grow uh, at body temperatures. It can reproduce a little bit in cooler temperatures, such as your nose. So you, this vaccine, you actually um, breathe or inhale or, or spray uh, into your nose, and um, your body mounts an immune response to that. Is called intranasal, and, and the brand name for that is Flumis. That's actually recommended for, for people without other contraindications from two years to 49 years. So it's used quite often in our pediatric population, but it's also the recommended vaccine for our active duty service members. And if you're over 50, you shouldn't take it? Well, if you're over 50, just because the, the manufacturer hasn't done um, uh, tests or clinical trials in people over the age of 50. So 
it doesn't have a recommendation through the FDA for over 50. So if you're over, if you're 50 or older, you would get the injectable or get the shot instead of the uh, intranasal vaccine. Are there any uh, other populations that should not take the nasal intranasal vaccine? Well, as a precaution, because it is, you know, put up a uh, breathe up your up your nose. Um, anybody with um, type of asthma, reactive airway disease, or any kind of chronic disorders of your pulmonary or cardiovascular system would not get the uh, flu mist just as a precaution. Those people would get um, the injectable product. Or anybody that has any maybe underlying medical conditions like diabetes or problems with your kidneys. Or if you're taking medication that might suppress your immune system, you would get the shot instead of the inhaled product. Now, also, another population, uh, the, the influenza vaccine is actually recommended in pregnant females or, or females that think they might become pregnant. So that, that is a recommendation, except for the, the flu mist product, the intranasal product. That is not recommended for females. All right. Now, here's something that I'd like to just have you clear up. Can either of these vaccinations give you the flu? Right. I think that's, uh, that's one of those urban legends that, that just continues to, to stay out there. But, um, no, it, it, it's actually impossible for anybody to actually get the flu or get the disease of influenza. Why is that? From an influenza vaccine. Because, first of all, the, the shot, the injectable product, is just pieces of viruses. So it's just pieces of viruses that, that we've identified that your body uh, recognizes, your body's immune system recognizes as being foreign, recognizes as being part of an influenza virus, and you mount an immune response. So those are just pieces. So the viruses have been grown, killed, um, split into pieces. Those pieces have been purified. Those pieces are what's in the, the vaccine. Now the the intranasal product then is a weakened or attenuated um, virus. Which, of course, there's three strains that are in there, uh, in both the injectable and the inhaled. And they have been attenuated over time so that they cannot grow even at a body temperature or cause an infection. So they will, they will replicate in your nose. Uh, people might get a little scratchy throat, but you don't actually get the, the, the disease. So you will feel some symptoms, possibly as side effects, but you won't get the flu from getting vaccinated. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Lieutenant Colonel Garman about the flu and vaccinations, specifically the H1N1 flu virus, also called the swine flu. We'll be right back. Stop Mill Docs Health Beat. The military health system is now accepting nominations for a new award to honor female physicians in the military. The award, the first of its kind, identifies and honors outstanding female physicians who have made significant contributions to the practice of military medicine and serve as exemplary role models for others. Nominations are due October 30th. See health.mil slash people for details. There just may be a little bit of Parker in all of us, and I mean that literally. Blood donors Jim and Linda Parker of McPherson, Kansas, have left a piece of themselves across the U.S., donating to civilian blood centers in each of the 50 states, the first documented accomplishment of its kind. It's been a few months since they completed the cross-country feat, 
and the Parkers have set their sights on yet another nationwide project. This time, the traveling donors are partnering with the Armed Services Blood Program. The goal? Give blood to all 20 military blood centers in the United States. Visit militaryblood.dod.mil to read more about the Parkers. Finally, the Air Force is about to make some significant changes to its fitness program. The frequency of testing and the establishment of fitness assessment cells to proctor tests are some of the expected changes. The Air Force will also place an increased emphasis on the aerobic component when scoring. The new Air Force instruction is expected to be signed and approved by the Air Force Chief of Staff in the coming weeks. The changes will take effect January 1. That's your Dot Mill Docs Health Beat for the Military Health System. I'm Matt Beto. And we are back on Dot Mill Docs. Our guest today is Lieutenant Colonel Patrick Garman of the Milvax organization. And we're talking about the flu. Um, we just spoke about seasonal flu, but I'm wondering if you could talk to us about the new H1N1 flu virus. What exactly is it? Well, it's a, it, it is an influenza virus. I guess we have to guard ourselves against it, and I'm sure that DOD has a plan and a program for vaccination against H1N1 flu. What is it, and what's the goal? Well, 
we've done that. So that, that vaccine is going through the, the normal cyclical process that we would use for the seasonal influenza vaccine as far as gaining licensure through, through our FDA or Food and Drug Administration. So it's, that vaccine is nearing licensure um, this fall. DOD is preparing um, to distribute that vaccine and, and give it to our, our service members like we do our um, seasonal vaccine. So, so our goal for that is going to be to vaccinate all of our um, active duty military, uh, civilian, essential contractors, wherever they need may be, uh, and then also to offer it to anyone else in the DOD community, retirees or dependents um, who wish to be immunized. So it's going to be a mandatory program for our active duty Guard and Reserve folks, and, and then it will be offered to all the rest of our, uh, our, our dependents and retirees that are out there. Uh, I know sometimes you have to get two doses of the vaccination. Um, is that going to be what we do this year with H1N1? Well, we, we, we don't know yet. And it kind of goes back to what I said at the, at the start of our interview is normally we would have, we, we've seen these, you know, as a, as a population, we've seen these viruses before. In other words, our immune system isn't totally surprised by an influenza virus from year to year. We have a little bit of immunity. We have, you know, some antibodies, but they might not be exactly specific, but they're kind of close sometimes. So while we still might get the flu, we might, if we've been adequately vaccinated in the past or we've caught influenza in the past, we might not get as sick as we might normally would. With this new H1N1 virus, we really haven't seen it before. So our, our immune system is looking at it like it's a brand new, um, brand new entity. So it has the ability to cause illness or more illness in people. So more people might become ill with the H1N1 vaccine. So that's really why, why people are worried about it. So the, the severity of the disease might be similar to our, our seasonal vaccine, but it's the chances that more people might become sick because it's a, a newer virus we haven't seen before. And people are guarded against it just naturally. Which, right. Which So we know that DOD has a plan for active duty service members, um, a distribution plan for the vaccine, but how will distribution of the vaccine work for family members and retirees, other dependents? Right. And what makes it unique and makes it different than our seasonal program is that the federal government has gone out and purchased the vaccine. They asked the manufacturers to produce it, and they have purchased it. So the distribution will be a little different. Hopefully it'll be transparent, though, to the patients that come into our um, military treatment facilities to get the, get the vaccine. So there will be vaccine that will be distributed directly to DOD, and we will do the distribution like we normally do to people living overseas and, and people living um, or our DOD installations in the state. But then there will also be allocations of vaccine that come through the state. National Stockpile, which is owned by the CDC, will, will distribute vaccine to each state based on its population. So some of that vaccine will also go to DOD installations or to 
care network. So individuals who might normally get vaccinated or receive their care through the TRICARE network off-base or outside of an installation, those providers will have the vaccine or they'll have the ability to get vaccinated or they'll be able to come on to uh, an active duty installation and receive the vaccine there. So while nationally there will be a couple of different distribution methods, uh, hopefully to the patient walking into an immunization clinic or going to see their healthcare provider, it will be transparent. And how about for beneficiaries who are outside of the country? Well, we have a, a specific allocation of vaccines to cover all of our beneficiaries who live outside the United States. So there will be vaccine available, say, to people living in Europe, or Okinawa, or Guam, Korea. There will be vaccine at their uh, VOD installation that is for them. All right. Um, who has the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices recommended to receive the H1N1 vaccine, and who should not receive it? Right. Uh, the HCIP is an uh, independent uh, civilian, well, I guess the CDC is civilian, well, I guess it is belongs to the federal government, but um, it's the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, mm -hmm. and they make recommendations. So we have the Food and Drug Administration, license a vaccine and then has the indication to know how, um, what it's allowed to be used, how it's allowed to be used. And then the, the CDC, through this ACIP, DCIP, puts out recommendations on how they think the product uh, should be used in a, in a larger context. So they met this summer and they put out recommendations for the H1N1 vaccine. Um, the, because of the, the past history so far this summer, what we've seen in the, uh, the presentation of the illness in other countries and in, US, in the U.S., where normally the seasonal vaccine, or the, not the seasonal vaccine, the seasonal influenza can cause more illness in our elderly population. The H1N1 seems to cause illness uh, more in uh, pregnant females, um, younger children, and also uh, um, people um, you know, middle-aged people, 20, 30, 40-year-olds who, who might have other chronic uh, health problems. So the recommendations are slightly different than you would find for our seasonal vaccine. So some of those would be uh, the target groups would be pregnant pregnant women. They're, they have the number one uh, recommendation for the H1N1 vaccine. Uh, people who live with or care for children younger than six months of age. You know, we don't vaccinate uh, infants younger than the age of six months, but we, it would be good to vaccinate the people around them to try to keep them from getting sick. Uh, healthcare providers and emergency medical services personnel, uh, persons between the ages of six months to 24 years old, and people the ages of 25 to 64 who may be at a higher risk from the disease because of chronic health disorders or a compromised immune system. So th those are the national recommendations. Sure. Now, now oh, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I, sure. I just remember you asked. Uh, maybe who should not get? Yeah. Who who shouldn't take it? So, what I just excuse me went over was uh, kind of the recommendation. But if you don't, if you're not in one of those recommendations, you can still go in and get vaccinated. People will not be turned away from being vaccinated. So just because you don't fit into one of those categories, you should still go in and, and see by getting the vaccine. Specifically because it's going to be no charge. 
federal government already purchased the vaccine. So even if you go into a, a Safeway or a Walmart um, that's giving the vaccine, um, there still will be no cost associated with that. Okay. So I know I'm going on here about getting to the main point, which is maybe people who should not get the H1N1. If you remember, a common theme is that all of these vaccines are, are produced in eggs. So we go back to the people who have severe allergies to, to eggs or chicken products. Those are the main people and people that have had a severe reaction from an influenza vaccine in the past. Okay. So long answer to get to the end. Sure, sure. Now, I mean, it's a new vaccine, and a lot of people are afraid that they're being used as, like, like guinea pigs for the vaccine, and they're fearing that it could lead to some complications. Is there anything you can say to reassure them or just speak to that fact? Um, I can't, and, and, and I've heard that before, and, and, and I understand that, being in the vaccine field. But so two things that I can mention. First is we have an annual process that we do for the seasonal influenza vaccine, and it's been done for decades now. So the, the, the viruses are identified, the vaccine is produced, recommendations come out, the vaccine is tested every year. And there's a series of clinical tests, clinical trials that go on. That information is all given to the FDA, and then sorts it out, and um, makes a decision one way or another. And that's done on an annual basis. And it's, it's condensed a little bit because we have so much practice doing it every year. So it's not like it's a new medication that's coming out. This is something that's done every year. So with the H1N1 uh, vaccine, it's just been put in the same process. So there isn't anything different about the way it's been identified, the way it's been conveyed to manufacturers about uh, which strains throughout the federal government. So 
there is some um, uh, potential adverse event that we haven't seen, it won't just be in DOD or it won't just be in California or Utah. It'll be shared and, and looked at um, right away to see if there's anything different with this vaccine than what we would expect from the seasonal vaccine. Is there anything else? I think we've pretty much covered it, right? Is there anything else that you'd like to just say about it? Well, there's, there's something that, that I'd like um, people to know, and that's, you know, how do you protect against getting sick? I mean, right. The, the, the number one way to prevent yourself from getting sick with influenza and, and a whole host of other preventable diseases is through vaccination. Vaccination has been one of the greatest leap ahead in modern medicine. Um, more death, more um, morbidity, which are you know, um, complications of being ill, than anything else that's ever been used except for maybe clean water and sanitation. So vaccines are your best protection. But if for some reason you're unable to receive the vaccine or you haven't been vaccinated yet, some things that you can do to keep yourself um, healthy. One is to try to avoid close contact with people who are already sick. Kind of common sense thing. Mm-hmm. Um, wash your hands too. Washing your hands um, throughout the day. So, and, and somebody asked, well, well, how many times should I wash my hands? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, you should think not just well, I'm going to wash my hands five times today. It's when you. What are your actions? What are you doing? In other words, if you use the bathroom, of course you wash your hands. Walk in and out of, um, of buildings or, or rooms, and you have to use the doorknob. You might want to think, you know, I've walked out, I've walked in, I'm using the doorknob. Um, um, I'm going into this conference room, I'm using the door. Maybe I, sh- I can then pop into the bathroom and wash my hands. Uh, if you're driving a car, using the steering wheel and shifting gears. If you are at a supermarket and you're using the uh, the, uh, the cart, those handles. Right. So it's what you're doing during the day. So anytime you maybe leave your home, and when you come back to your home, wash your hands. Uh, so that's what I would recommend. So or perhaps if you handle money, cash. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Well, it's not just I'm going to do it three times or five times a day. It's I'm going to do it after uh, I'm handling something that, I, that might um, put the virus onto my hands. And then, of course, you want to um, try the best you can not to touch your eyes, nose, or mouth because maybe you've been handling money or you were pushing that shopping cart and then you scratch your eye. That's a way that um, you're putting virus right into your body. So huh? you, can avoid, you can avoid that. It's a good thing. Um, another thing is to, um, if, you, if you become ill, if you think you're sick, if you have a fever, you should probably stay home from work or stay home from school or keep your kids home from school. Especially when somebody has a fever, that's when they're, they're, they're usually um, contagious. So even though you can be contagious before you really know you're sick, mm-hmm. and you can be contagious for really days after the worst of the sickness is over, um, consider staying home from work, uh, keeping your kids home from school if they're actively sick. And the other one, and, and a big one because uh, you know I live in Washington D.C. and ride the train once in a while. Right. And so you know, cover your mouth and nose, you know, with a tissue when you cough or sneeze. And, and 
of a, a, a technique that's being put out there this year is to cough or sneeze into your elbow. To a your lot elbow. of people it's just yeah, you just put your elbow over your nose or your mouth and cough. Because a lot of people have habit to cough or sneeze into your hand. And then we have that all over again. It's on your hands, you scratch your eyes, you shake other people's hands, and you're just changing, you know, um, transmitting the virus. So uh, use a tissue, cough into your elbow. If you use a tissue or something, throw that tissue away. So all these are things that try to, uh, to keep, a, keep you healthy during this influenza season. And, and if people out there have other questions about influenza, um, they can go to, uh, first of all, it's always a good idea. You can discuss it with your health care provider. Mm-hmm. That's a good source of information. Another one is, of course, there's a lot of websites out there. And we have one at the Military Vaccine Agency, www.vaccines.mil. Um, we have a lot of information on a lot of different vaccines, but uh, we also have uh, specific pages just for the seasonal and also the H1N1. All right, so www.vaccines.mil, that's vaccines, plural, dot mil, that's MilVax, the Military Vaccine Agency website. We also link to it from health.mil. Um, all right, I guess, I guess we've covered it, haven't we? I think we've had a good conversation, yeah. Great. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that is it for this week. I'll just remind you to visit health.mil for ongoing flu coverage. And from health.mil, you can also get to the DOD Pandemic Influenza Watch Board. The link is on the upper right-hand side of the health.mil homepage. We'll, of course, be back next week with another episode of .mil Docs when we'll have Mr. Walt Morales. And he'll talk to us about Army Suicide Prevention Program Policies because September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. So, until then, thanks for listening. This program is a product of the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs, Military Health System. .mil Docs features the most relevant military health topics important to you and your family. If you have questions or topics you'd like to see on an upcoming episode, send us an email at .mildocs at tma.osd.mil. That's D-O-T-M-I-L-D-O-C-S at tma.osd.mil. Visit health.mil for more episodes.